Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're listening to that Chelsea podcast, episode 42, Got a Semi on. Welcome back to that Chelsea podcast. I'm joined as always by Jack Davies. How are we doing, sir? Yeah, I'm really good, mate. Top week for Chelsea, two workmanlike performances and still in the hunt for two trophies. So been a top week. Yeah, yeah, it's been a great week for Chelsea. Returning to the podcast, the podfather himself, Stanford Chidge, is back. Chidge, how are we doing, sir? Well, I'm glad I'm glad you called me the Podfather, Nick, because I think I've, I think you should actually call me the Pod Grandfather because I've aged considerably since I last saw you. Uh, I mean, the last ten minutes, I was I probably needed to wear some deep ends. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, Chidge is back, and <laughs> <laughs> and Dean is back. Dean has overcome technical difficulties to join us. Dean, how, how are we doing, sir? Now, now I'm very good. Now I'm here. I'm in the room. Now things are fine. Nice one. Nice one. Dean's, As... also, having, Dean's also having to, having to overcome the fact that he's wearing our horrible away shirt as well. <laughs> this is our best kit. <laughs> I'm, go- I'm, I'm just going to level. I'm going to give Dean some support. I bought that kit with Mount on the other day after that game against Porto. I was like, it's got to be done. That kit, as grim as I thought it was at the start of the season, is iconic. And we're going to win the Champions League in that kit. So um, it's got to be done. <laughs> right. As always with guests, I get them to give themselves a little plug. Obviously, Dean and Chidge both, you know, part of Chelsea Fancast. So, Chidge, I'll let you introduce and tell the listeners about the wonderful thing that is the Chelsea, po- Chelsea Fancast. Okay, right. Well, um, we're, we're a really new uh, podcast for Chelsea. We've uh, been going for 13 years now. So, so you would have thought we'd have actually got better with practice, but actually the reality is we get worse every week. Isn't that right, Dean? 
I'm saying nothing, Chidge. No, I mean, no. We started in 2008, and funnily enough, actually, around this time of the year. And, and in, I mean, I've just written an article for Football London about, you know, coincidences, uh, you know, and parallels between this season and, and, uh, and 2012. And, um, you know, it's ironic because we started off doing the, the, the fan cast literally after the first leg of the Champions League against Liverpool. Um, I think it must have been the Branner. Two goal, Branner Ivanovic. And, um, and, and, and there we go. And the, oh, no, it was before, it was the Moscow final, so it might not have been that one. Anyway, whatever. We, we started in 2008. We've been going strong ever since. We've got a great team of people. Uh, you know, I, my, my sidekick is uh, Jonathan Kidd, but we've got a really good team of people, most of whom write for CFC UK or who are well-known Chelsea authors. And of course, the best of the bunch, I'm bound to say, is the absolutely fabulous Dean, who uh, who is the future podfather. Yeah. As long as he doesn't wear that shirt when he's doing the Chelsea fan cast. And Dean, obviously, is part of a, you know, you're part of Chelsea fan cast, but you do your own show on the magnificent team that is the Chelsea women's team, who are also in a Champions League semi-final this year. Dean, what you know, just give that a little plug and you know, tell people what they can expect from that as well. Yeah, so I was doing some writing for the Chelsea fan cast, and then you know, just for the price of a few Guinnesses, Chidge let me on the fan cast as well. Sort of from what, that, what's the rule about coming on the fan cast, Dean? You have to buy Chidge a beer. Where? In the cock. Yeah, the cock tavern. Cock I don't tavern. want people talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in the cock tavern, just for the price of what? Plus one Guinness you can get on the Chelsea fan cast. Well, I had to like you as well, of course. That is true. And I so did. If you don't like you, more Guinnesses. <laughs> but for me, it was one Guinness. So I'm very lucky with that. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, started, went to Mo King's Meadow, which is the podcast on Chelsea women, um, November last year, uh, which Chidge um, edits and publishes on the Chelsea fan cast platform. So if you want to listen to it, you have to subscribe to the Chelsea fan cast. And yeah, both. Um, the, you know, the shows have been really well taken and obviously it helps that the team are, are fantastic. Yeah, exactly. And both <laughs> both lads' socials will be in the description we will. below. Can I, can I just say, Nick, because, um, you know, Dean's far too humble to say this, so I'll, I'll say it for him. You know, if anybody knows how bloody hard it is to do a podcast from scratch, it's me, because I've been doing it pretty much longer than everybody else. And Dean is fantastic. I mean, it, it was, I could tell it was quite hard work first two or three episodes, but he gets better and better and better every week. And he structures a really fine show. It's fan, It's fascinating listening to it. He gets some great guests on. And I tell you, he's becoming, a, he's becoming a really accomplished podcaster. So well done, Dean. If you haven't listened to it, I commend it to you. Yeah, and exactly. Well, and look, you know, there's not there's not just one team at Chelsea. There's multiple teams, and the Chelsea women's team are arguably better, arguably as good, if not better, than the men's team. You know, having a brilliant season. So make sure you check it out. And as I said, links will be in the description below. But as as sort of touched on the start, it's been a brilliant week for Chelsea. First Champions League semi final since 2014. For those who don't know, Jack and I were 15 at the time we hadn't sat our GCSEs. So time really does fly. Um, but Jack, you know, just overall, just like feelings about being in a Champions League semi-final again for the first time in forever. Yeah, yeah. absolutely buzzing. Um, it, it's just such a special competition. I know 
some people argue you can get lucky draws etc and go all the way when you might not deserve to but that's the magic of it and just just to hear the Champions League anthem before the games always gets you hyped up for it um, and like you said for, for it to be the first time in seven years it's it's been a long time coming um, and we've got this far we want we want to try and go all the way and get to Istanbul and, and go and win it now yeah yeah exactly Chidge you know, it was a really professional performance, a really professional shithouse Chelsea performance where we didn't have a shot on target till the till injury time in the, like the 91st, 92nd minute or whatever. But, you know, we really nullified Porto. And apart from, you know, a stunning overhead kick late on, you know, Porto never really looked like scoring, did they? Well, he, let's be honest, Nick, he shanked it. You know, he shanked it. That was, that was not like a Zidane-esque overhead kick which I think he did against Valencia in the in the Champions League final. The the, the lucky son of a you know what shanked it. But anyway, I am I am I mean Dean will be laughing his head off because he knows me very very well. You you could probably not find a happier Chelsea supporter than me right now. Stick your blooming tippy tappy pretty football where the sun don't shine, mate. Give me shit every day of the week. You know, and I'm I am loving it. I am loving it. I mean, the way that Tuchel has has got this side to actually be disciplined, to work hard, to be organised, to to mat to manage the game in game management, and and throw in an, a bit of shithousery for for giggles as well. I am so loving it. I said on I mean, Dean, Dean will know this. I said on our on our WhatsApp group just after the game. You know, I I think I think that Tuchel arguably is is tactically as astute a manager that we have had since prime Mourinho in terms of managing games I mean I know I laugh with you and so I should I, I felt like I should be wearing depends for the last 10 minutes but I mean were we really ever in any danger today were we really in any danger against Porto I'd say no and that goes down to great tactical setup great uh, coaching and great uh, discipline performances by the team, and you know that it, that's what you need to win trophies. That's what wins you trophies, not pretty ticker tacker football. This is this is what it's about. I'm loving every minute of it, as you can tell. Yeah, Dean. You know, I, I don't want to spend too long on the game because, to be fair, there's not a huge amount to talk about. But one player who was taking hit after hit after hit for us was Christian Pulisic. I think he's the most foul player in a Champions League game over the last five years. Um, you know, credit to him. He was basically our main out ball against Porto and he really did his job, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, it's what we think about Christian Pulisic. You know, Chich says it on the fan cast a lot. You know, when he's fit, he's our best player. He's our most dynamic attacking player, and, and Porto, you know, knew the only way to stop him is to kick him up in the air. And to be fair to him, he got up every time, and you know that's you know something that we haven't seen from him really. You know, would have expected him with his injuries maybe to stay down and ask to come off, but he, um, you know, he battled through and you know put in a, a top performance for us. And you know, on another day, you know, we do win that game and you don't lose one nil, but you know, happy to lose one nil and go through. Yeah, and Dean, a strong showing from the midfield duo of Angolo Kante and Jorginho. As expected, with Jorginho in the midfield, you're going to get a solid midfield performance with no complaints from anybody. 
you're looking at me, Dean. I know you are. Why is Chidge wrong? It's never, it never happens, mate. But look, you know, you know, and I, you and I have said this in the past. If and when Jorginho plays really, really well, I'm the first to say he's played really, really well, and he was excellent against Porto. I think he really, really was. Credit where it's due. I think he was excellent again today. By the way, I think he was. He was arguably one of one of our best players today. Uh, arguably better, perhaps, than Kante, although that would be perhaps stretching it. But on his day, he's a great, great player. But he can. He's got some shockers in him too. Let's let's be fair. Yeah, yeah. But Jorginho gets a really, you know, a really strong showing in. And again, you know, Porto. To be fair. Credit to them. They didn't make it easy for us to play. You know, they they were on us a lot. We struggled sort of keeping hold of the ball. But one thing I was a bit confused about, lads, is Porto were 2-0 down and they didn't really seem to be that much intent to actually try and overturn a deficit. Um, Chidge, I guess it was it was a really weird game where Porto stopped us from playing, but they forgot to play themselves. I thought it was really, really poor, actually. I mean, you know, they, they've clearly got some decent players that could have hurt us. Um, you know, it doesn't take a brain surgeon to figure out that we've got weaknesses, but they, they just, they, I mean, like you said a minute ago about Pulisic, they were just intent on fouling us all game long and it was utter, utter stupidity. It really was. And I mean, the fact that they got that goal at the end is just such a, it's so out of context with that whole match. I mean, you know, if you were going to be really, uh, amusing about it, it was quite a boring match. That, I mean, they were no threat to us whatsoever. Uh, and, and and again, you know, you, you talked about Pulisic, and I think Pulisic was brilliant on the night because, I, I mean, when I say it was a Hazard-esque performance, I don't mean that he played like prime Eden Hazard, but what he was, he was a superb outball for us. And he took the pressure off time and time again by carrying the ball from the halfway line and attacking them, taking the hit and getting up again. I think that was a really huge performance for Pulisic mentally, actually, because I think we've all been worried about how frail he can be. And to go and do do that and take it for the team, I mean, my, my praise for him knows no bounds. I thought it was a very brave, courageous performance. And I think psychologically that might do him a lot of good and that can only be good for Chelsea. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Christian Pulisic turning up at the business end of the season right where we need him. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to dwell too long on Porto, obviously, you know, it wasn't an amazing game, but the Chelsea got the job done and that's all that, you know, tie was about. It was, wasn't vintage Chelsea over two legs, but they got the job done fairly comfortably and that's all that you can really, really ask for. But we move on to today or tomorrow when you're hearing this. We've just beaten Manchester City in the FA Cup semi-final and dare I say it was slightly comfortable and by comfortable I mean is the fact that you know while I was a bit nervous given you know the quality City have Kepper who was in goal for us didn't actually really have any saves to make Jack no, nothing to that header in the last, last minute that was all I've really seen um, again just we've already alluded to today we were just so disciplined I thought the first half we were really good the fullbacks getting up the pitch um, and playing really high. And then when Man City were getting on the ball, they dropped back in and we were almost a five at the back with those two in front in Jorginho and Kante. And again, we got the job done and we we made one of the best teams under Pep Guardiola look 
bang average today, if you ask me. They didn't didn't uh, threaten us at all, really. And like we said, goes down to the management and how much we've improved our, our defending. Um, yeah, and it was just a great result to get to another another final, the fourth in five years. And you just hope that we, we go and actually finish the job this year because we, we should have really won it last year as well. Yeah. Dean, I want to kind of give special praise to both both our wing-backs today because they they were, you know, causing City problems. And, you know, we played sort of that cross-ball out to, to the wing-backs, you know, Reese putting good balls in. Chilwell, you know, arguably snatched a, a, a chance in the first half. But they put, you know, both Reese James and Ben Chilwell, not only, you know, today, but they're, you know, they're starting to grow into these roles as well, aren't they? Yeah, I thought they were fantastic. And, you know, City couldn't really handle what we were sort of doing without wide players. And especially with Mason sort of, hanging that left-hand side as well. It's a tactic that City used on us previously when they've beaten us and we did it to them and they didn't really know how to respond. You know, Reese James is, you know, I love him. I think he's fantastic. So such a unit as well. And he, he puts his body, you know, in the way nine times out of 10 as well. Chilwell's growing on me, you know. I can't say I was a massive fan, but I think, you know, he's, he is getting better and better. And under Tuchel, I think all the players are, you know, improving tenfold. They're playing with an intelligence, you know, that they didn't have previously at the start of this season. And that will come from the coach. And if they can continue this, you know, trajectory, you know, these two teams we saw today, Chelsea and City, are going to be battling out for the title next season. Yeah, obviously our goal today, Mason Mount plays a lovely ball sort of over the top. Timo Werner, you know, runs onto him and lays it on a plate for Hakim Ziyech. Chidge, you know, Hakim Ziyech's Chelsea career, stop-start, I think, would be a fair way you know, to describe it, we've seen some really good performances like today, uh, like we saw against Atletico in the second leg. But then he's also, you know, not played for a you know, little period of games. But how encouraging was it to see not only Hakim Ziyech put in a strong form state, but also Timo Werner, you know, contribute to the team in a positive way today, given the fact that, you know, how well we played against Crystal Palace without him. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, the Palace, the Palace game was the best I've seen us play in an attacking sense, and I thought we looked quite City esque at the time, and not just because we were wearing sky blue shirts. Um, I'm, I'm, I mean, I didn't call it at all last time. Actually, I thought I thought that that Tuchel would really be very focused on wanting to win his first trophy, so would pick his best team. And I think right now the best team is Pulisic, Mount, and and Havertz, kind of in this fourth nine position. Although I hate to say that. But actually, I, 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 the back of my mind, I thought, well, actually, you know, the best way to, 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 you know, to hit City is on the break, and actually, you know, that's what Werner does best. Last shoulder of the defender, he's that kind of a player. So it, it made a lot of sense that he started today, um, and I, you know, yeah, I mean, he did really, really well. I mean, he, he still got got to get his offside radar right, um, and he had that horrible, feeble shot having brilliant for running about 60 yards but it's so difficult isn't it you know we, we were sold Werner on the basis that he was a guy that will score us 20-25 goals he is patently going to fail to do that this season um, and he and he does remind me a bit of a bit you know of Torres in a way I mean completely different players I mean I don't think that Timo Werner is in any way shape or form a number nine a traditional number nine he is an inside forward but like Torres He's battled away through a horrible, horrible crisis of confidence and running form. And the minimum requirement 
I mean, this will make you youngsters laugh, but, you know, when I first started going to Chelsea, most of the players were absolutely shit. Um, so the minimum requirement, you would walk away relatively happy if they all put in 100% and they did the best that they could. And I think, you know, in a funny sense, Werner's doing that. He's, he's doing the best he can at the moment and he's contributing to the team. You know, he's, I mean, another assist. I mean, somebody who knows their stats will tell me how many he's got this season, but he's got quite a few. So at the very least, he is contributing, even if he's not contributing in the way that we all hoped and expected him to. So fair play to him. And and Ziyech, to, to talk about him for a minute, I thought, you know, a really encouraging performance. I mean, poor old Ziyech has got a lot of stick, but people seem to forget that, you know, it's his first season in the Premier League as well. It's a massive step up in quality and in pace and in physicality than the Eredivisie. Um, you know, and it's a shock. And I mean, he won't be, he's not the first foreign star to come over to the Premier League and struggle in his first years, and he won't be the last. But he's clearly got a lot of talent. He's an intelligent footballer. And I thought his movement today was exceptional. And, and, and I mean, you know, he was effectively playing in the false nine, and that's not his position at all, really. Um, and I thought he was excellent. I really was. And I thought on the goal, he did brilliantly because Werner actually crossed it and put it behind him and he still managed to shank it in. So fair play to him. And, you know, he'll, I, I think he'll get better and better for us. You know, I really do like, like Havertz. I think the more these guys play, the more they get used to the Premier League, the better they will get. And I also think that a lot of credit needs to go to Tuchel because he's clearly coaching them very, very effectively at the moment and, 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 and showing the patience that we need with these guys. Yeah, yeah, exactly. As well, I think um, you can really see from Ziyech from when he was at Ajax as well, but he's really showing it for us now that he's a he's a big game player at Ajax in that Champions League run. He scored goals against Madrid, Tottenham, and then for us, he scored against Sheffield United in the quarterfinal of the FA Cup. Scored today in the semi-final. Got an important goal against Atletico at the Bridge. So. I, I think I think he's yeah a really uh, big game player and if he can continue to show that towards the end of the season then that'll be really important for us. Well, yeah, exactly, and I think you know he he's say struggled a bit this season, a bit stop start, but if he performs in big games, that's only going to give him more confidence, but also you know the fans more confidence in him that there is a player, there is a player in there, Jack. Obligatory Mason Mount had a good game, didn't he? Had fun out. He was running rings for, around Fernandinho. Yeah. Yeah, he was. He, the old man was struggling to keep up with him, wasn't he? And just doing anything to bring him down. And Mason was still like pushing him away and getting away. Um, yeah, you just ex- expect a seven or eight out of 10 performance from him every week. And he, he delivers on most occasions. Uh, and like we've discussed already, the the weight of the past for Werner was it was exceptional. Werner running at speed in behind and he's put it on a plate for him. It's just like slowing down at the perfect perfect time for Werner to take a touch and put a cross in the box. So, yeah, another top performance from Mason. I don't know if he was carrying a slight injury when he came off. They were sort of alluding to in commentary, but hopefully that's... that's uh, just precautionary and they took him off with plenty of time left to be fair quick just a quick yes or no answer Fernandinho lucky to avoid any punishment for his stamp Chidge um yeah I mean he could have got a yellow I think quite easily um I actually thought the other foul he did on Mason Mount was much worse and I was astonished he didn't get a yellow card for that 
you know, where, where basically Dean Dean allowed play to go on uh, to give Chelsea advantage, but actually that was a much nastier foul. That should have been a yellow. So actually, if he'd have been given a yellow for the, the stamp, although I think fair enough, they gave him the benefit of the doubt. Um, if it had had a yellow there, he should have got a yellow for the second one. He should have been off. That's a very long answer for a yes or no, wasn't it, Nick? Sorry. <laughs> Dean, yes or no? Did, did Fernandinho get a bit lucky? He should do the lottery tonight. <laughs> Jack, yes or no? Did Fernandinho get a bit lucky? Nah, not enough contact for me. Fair enough, fair enough. I thought, yeah. It's, yeah, probably not enough, not enough for a card. So, I guess, you know, the next topic of conversation, you know, was the selection of Kepa. Obviously, he has played every round of the FA Cup so far. However, as we've seen in the past, certain managers, when they get to this stage of the competition, they come up against the bigger sides. They put in their first-choice keeper. But, you know, Chidge, albeit Kepa wasn't really tested, but, you know, a, a good decision, you know, vindicated by, by Thomas Tuchel. Well, I mean, you could you could say he got away with it, couldn't you, Nick? I mean, I, I wouldn't have picked Kepa at all. You know, sentiment can, you know disappear when you get to a semi-final or a final and I mean it's interesting you know Pep interviewed before the match said oh I've picked Stefan because I always pick my reserve keeper for for the cup competitions because it's fair well bollocks to fairness you know Mendy has been an exceptionally well maybe that's a bit too much to say he's been an exceptionally good keeper for Chelsea but he's been a lot better than Kepa has there's no doubt about that and and if I'm if I'm Mendy I'm thinking I want to play in a big match and there's a semi-final. And you're right, you know, Kepa did all right. You know, he wasn't really tested at all. Um, I mean, I noticed two things. He dropped the ball at that corner in injury time, you know, which could have been a bit disastrous. And he he still stays rooted to the line whenever the ball goes high in the box. You know, when there's a crowd of players there, you know, he doesn't go for it. You know, he may be he may be a talented keeper. He, he may be just going through a horrible run of form, but I think fundamentally he's not big enough. You know, keepers these days are a six-six minimum, big lumps like Mendy is. They're imposing, and I don't think Kepper is. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, Dean, I guess you know, sort of alluded to it earlier, but another strong showing in midfield today from Angolo Kante and Jorginho. You know, and against a side that press, you know, you would press us, they dealt with it pretty well, didn't they? Yeah, what sort of Tuchel's done you know, very well is you know, make sure them wing-backs are, are sticking in to that sort of midfield four, so to speak, and really protecting them. You know, when they get opened up, as they did do against West Brom, when we lost Thiago Silva, went to 10 men, the game opened up for us and, you know, we really got ripped to shreds. Um, you know, keeping that compact and that tight means that Jorginho is not getting run round because there's no space behind him for anyone to run. So they're going to have to pass the ball to get through us. Then we're able to keep it tight. And, you know, when you've got, you know, two Angolos in midfield, you know, you've got an extra man there already. So, Can, you know, Kante does a great job protecting Jorginho. Yeah. I mean, not that he shouldn't, and but I think it needs to be acknowledged that Jorginho and Kante together is perfect because Kante can fill in all of those gaps that Jorginho might get exposed in. Yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of Jorginho, but I accept that he has you know, limitations and weaknesses. Tuchel has been able to, to mask them you know, extremely well since he's come in and showcased you know, the best bits of Jorginho, which perhaps you know, are best suited to a different division in a different country um, rather than in England. But Calling him a second division player, Dean? 
<laughs> Not a second division. <laughs> you said a different maybe division. A, maybe a Serie A division player. Um, <laughs> no, I definitely, I agree. I was yeah. just going to say that, uh, like, Kante's got weaknesses in his game. I was getting pretty pissed off with him in the first half, to be honest. He kept giving the ball away, left, right, centre, yeah. probably nearly 10 times. And, um, yeah, it was just very frustrating to watch. But then, obviously, you... Kante is one of those players that should be undroppable because of what he does off the ball and the amount of ball recoveries he brings to the team, sending us on counter-attacks is he's just the best the best at it, uh, the best about. So the two of them together definitely complement each other and have something that the other doesn't have. So yeah, that's I agree with the boys and think that that, that midfield pairing definitely is the is the one that works the best. Uh, I guess just a quick shout, you know, to the defence, you know, Dave, you know, just taking, you know, cynical fouls at the end, but just, you know, pretty throwing his body on the line. And then, you know, Thiago Silva as well, just cheered, you know, kind of just, you know, you know, old school Chelsea, just bodies on the line type thing. It was really nice to see today, wasn't it? Well, it just goes to show, you know, much as we, we were a bit, I, I mean, you know, I think a few of us had the hump that he was so quick to, to kind of, you know, get rid of the youngsters and put the experienced players in. But when it comes to the defence, providing they've still got their legs, you cannot beat experience in defence. And when you when you looked at that defence today, that back three of Aspilicueta, you know, Rudiger and Silva, look at the experience and the international... Well, I mean, Dave didn't really do too well for Spain, but there's a huge amount of experience in that back three. It's no accident, as far as I'm concerned, that... I think uh, Aspilicueta has paid more minutes than anybody else under Tuchel. You know, Tuchel really rates him, I think, and really trusts him. And he was brilliant today. They all were. Rudiger, I thought, was phenomenal today. Silva clearly played most of the match with a knack back. So fair play to him. But I think, you know, going back to what we were saying earlier and and and, and, and what we were saying about the, the, the tactical setup um, that uh, Tuchel's uh, implemented, you know, Pretty much since uh, the Atletico, you know, the really big games, the Atletico Madrid, both those games, the Porto games, and now today, he's we've been playing 5-3-2 without the ball. And it's made such a difference. You know, Mount dropping back with Kante and Jorginho to make a three and the two wing-backs coming back to make a five. And that is making us really, really hard to break down and play against. And I think combined with... You know, the pace that we've got up front, so a quick out ball over the top, or the wing backs, who I think, uh, I mean, Jack, Jack, and this is, I think, why Chilwell's getting more games, uh, Dino, because, you know, he and he and James are, are athletic enough to get up and down really quick. And that's what they were t- required to do. Jack was talking earlier on, wasn't he, about that we play with the wing backs up really, really high today. When we don't have the ball, they're making a back five. I mean, you know, the athleticism required to do that is beyond dear old Alonso, who I love to pieces. But, you know, it's it's just a brilliant tactical setup. And we are so hard to break down at the moment. It's wonderful to see. I have to say, I love it. Yeah, I'm going to sort of move on to the listener questions. And we've actually got a question, you know, sort of links into a bit what we were talking about earlier. It comes in from Travis. He goes, is this the best Chelsea have been since the best manager in football, Antonio Conte, was at the helm? He's a big Antonio Conte fan. But, you know, we you sort of talked about earlier about Prime Jose. Is this the best best Chelsea have been, you know, in a long, a long time. Yeah, absolutely. It's really interesting. I mean, fair play, Travis. I, I, I love uh, Conte. In fact, Dean, Dean might remember this. I can't remember if he was on the show when I, 
when I when I went out there. I do tend to do this, don't I? Do and I go all out. You know, there's no 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 grey areas. There's grey in my hair, but not not in my outlook. Uh, and I think that Antonio Conte is pound for pound the best manager we've ever had. I really, really do. I think what he did, you know, before he threw his, his you know, spat his dummy out that summer is quite remarkable to to get a tune out of the team that he had then. OK, I know we had Hazard, but I mean, I was there at high uh, at the Emirates when we got absolutely duffed and, and to turn it around like he did. Absolutely phenomenal. Then you see what he does in Italy. Um, I still think. Having said that, I, I just think that Mourinho in that, that first iteration for that kind of two, three-year period was just quite phenomenal. But in a sense, you know, in some respects, quite one-dimensional. I am really excited by Tuchel because I just, I just think, I think, you know, he, he could be kind of a real blend between the two. You know, I think, I think, he's, I think he's got more attacking instincts than both Mourinho uh, and Conte. I mean, Mourinho was the great disruptor. You know, he, he I mean, it, it's wrong to say all he ever did at Chelsea was play ugly football because you don't play ugly football when you've got the likes of Damien Duff and Arjen Robin playing for you and Frank Lampard. But, you know, he was a real disruptor. Conte, I think, was more defensive in a weird old way. I mean, this is the Italian nature to, to play kind of Catanaccio style. Tuchel is different. I think he likes to attack. He likes attacking players. But he understands that if you don't have the ball, you can't attack. If you don't win the ball back quickly, you can't attack. If you don't pass it around really quickly and get up the field quickly doing that, you can't score goals. But if you don't have a decent defence, which is solid and organised and disciplined, you don't even get past first base because you're always going to be a goal or two behind. So I think he's I think he's a really interesting blend of the two, perhaps. And I am I'm really excited about where he can take this team at the moment. I really am. Yeah, Dean, I kind of follow up to this, and this is this is the impossible question, really. But Dan Hill, right here, right now, do you see Tuchel staying at Chelsea for the long term? Uh, we sack next season. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, if it, so, Chelsea long term, that's two seasons. So <laughs> definitely that long, him. Dean. Definitely see him being here next season for, for the for the majority. You know, Chelsea don't do long term and yeah, I think we should, you know, after Lampard, you should forget that notion of ever existing because it's not something that they're gonna do because it doesn't reward them in the way that this does. You know, every sort of two years they get a new manager, new ideas, you know, and they win titles. So when you put the arguments for and against it, you don't have a leg to stand on. So no, Tuchel won't be a long time, so just enjoy it while it happens. Yeah, Piers, sort of follow-up to that is, can we win the league next season? Absolutely. Just a quick caveat on, yeah. on all of that, really, Nick. Um, you know, because I've just realised I've, I've, I've got a bit overexcited about Tuchel in relation to Conte and, and Mourinho. I, I stand by what I say, but he's got to win some trophies because Conte did. You know, Conte won the league, he won the FA Cup, Mourinho won loads of trophies for us. Tuchel's got to win some trophies. But I think potentially what we could have is a manager on our hands who is a blend of those two and, and perhaps as good. Yeah. I'll just back up what the boys have said. And I think when you watch us now and we go 1 0 up, we doesn't look like there's going to be anyone stopping us. It seems like Jose back in the day, you'd go 1 up and the game's gone there, there and then. Um, and and it's really exciting to watch. I think also with the with the Conte thing, and we've spoken about the the similar formation, etc. And I think that's been really important um, 
for this team when you've got someone like Aspi that played with Conte in that back three, you've got Kante. So you've got these players that have done these kind of jobs before and were mainstays in that team and they've been shining shining under Tuchel as well. Um, and yeah, hopefully we can, we can go and challenge and win the league. I mean, when you see, see things like in just 81 days as Chelsea manager, Tuchel's beaten Guardiola, Klopp, Simeone twice, Mourinho and Ancelotti and we haven't conceded a goal against any of them. That's... That's pretty decent stat. I know you've got to go up, go and back it up and win some trophies, but we're still in the hunt at the moment. So long may it continue. I mean, that's the interesting thing, isn't it, Jack? Because right now, right now, he's no better than Ranieri. Ranieri got us to the semi-final of a Champions League and an yeah. FA Cup final. Of course, he got knocked out of, of, the, of the semi-final and he lost against Arsenal in the FA Cup, you know. But let's let's see. So let's see. But I think potentially this guy is this guy's the real deal. No doubt about it. Okay. Next question comes in from RJ. He goes, firstly, great guests. Secondly, what were some of the things that, that stood out for you over the past two games that maybe some fans might have overlooked? Are you, you know, play a player or in players or Tuchel? Was there anything that sort of stood out for you over these last two games, Chidge? Well, you know, I'm sure I'm sure most 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 of us would have would have seen it but I, I I mean I as I said I think it's just that that it's just the difference in the mentality you know I, I had a real bitch about the players recently and modern players what a grumpy old man I am just thinking about it but anyway basically saying that you know these bloody youngsters they can't think for themselves you know they have to be told 38 different ways to take a throw in or whatever and the minute something happens in a game they don't know what to do but you know when you looked at how they were playing that's how they looked but what I was, re- what I've been most impressed by was just their mentality. They're, they're, they're working for each other. They're working as a team. There's clearly leadership, something that we have moaned about a lot for the last three or four years. So there's very bloody leaders anymore. Well, clearly they are, they are, there are leaders in that team, and they're showing it all over the pitch. And it's just that cohesiveness, that calmness, that ability to think on their feet and work for each other. That's that's perhaps what might have gone under the radar a bit from people because we do focus really just on, you know, the kind of the key points of the games. But I've been really impressed by that. Yeah, Jack, you know, something I sort of mentioned, you know, while things are going well, I was like, I will wait to see what happens because, I'm, you know, these players have got a habit of letting us down. But aside from, you know, aside from that West Brom one-off game, they've been pretty flawless, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's not much more to add to that. Everyone's Everyone's been putting in proper shifts I'm just going to uh, link something to that like someone like Ziek everyone questioned in the first few games would he put in a put in a shift he seems like one of those players it's not going for him he'll yeah, but we, shrug his, shrug we, you know, we got um, you know you ripped into him after we lost 3-1 home to City for him not tracking back for, yeah. for City's third goal exactly and then you see the difference today chasing everything closing things down uh, even just lost causes up the pitch um yeah, so that that's something I've seen in him, but um, yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, Dean, next question comes in from good friend of yours and good friend of ours, Rob Prattley. He goes, how does it feel knowing Thomas Tuchel's only weakness is Sam Allardyce? <laughs> uh, yeah, it feels pretty good. He's not going to be in Europe, is he? <laughs> 
Yeah, exactly. Big Sam's freewheeling baggies. You know, we don't play them every week, so it's fine. They can't stuff us. Um, five two. Well, perhaps well, slightly more serious question comes in from Jess. She goes, "Does Timo start against Brighton on Tuesday? You know, obviously, you know, a strong showing from him today. Chidge, would you, you know, thrust Timo in against Brighton, or would you be inclined to say, now nah, we'll, you know, Pulisic only Pulisic came off the bench today. Start Christian Pulisic against Brighton." That's a really good question, isn't it? Because, um, I mean, really, if, if I'm Tommy Tuchel, I've got I've got one eye on on the Saturday following against West Ham, which is the living definition of a six pointer, isn't it? Um, it's uh, I, I'm inclined to say no, actually. Um, not not because I've got a downer on Timo. I think he did all right today. Um, I still don't see him. I, I just don't. I, I I wouldn't be surprised. Well, I've got one kind of uh, tip. So put all of your money on this: that Timo Werner will uh, score a breakaway goal and round the keeper in the second leg of the Champions League against uh, Real Madrid to take us through in, in a true Torres style. But I mean, I don't actually see him scoring a goal for the rest of the season. He just doesn't look like he's going to. But I don't think it'll suit him against Brighton. You know, they've got some. You know. Physical, big, hairy ass. I mean, you know, Dunk's a, a good centre-back. And I just don't think he'll get the time and the space. And they're not going to play a high line against us, I don't think. I mean, Dino, I mean, I don't watch Brighton, but Dino's a big, uh, you know, he takes all, you know, he watches all the matches and stuff, and I don't. But no, okay, there you go. So No, I don't think they will. They're, they're a possession-based team, aren't yeah. they? So, no. Nah, I, I don't I see him playing a high line, Jack. That's for sure. So, I'd say no. I mean, what what is more interesting... Um, you know, I think I think we probably all agree that from what we've seen so far, it looks like the best attacking three we've got on form at the moment are Pulisic, Mount and Havertz, actually. Um, so I'm inclined to play that. But, you know, what what's happening with Giroud and Tammy? I mean, I've got a theory about Tammy. Chidge, I, I know uh, before you go, we have got a question about the Tammy situation. So I will let you elaborate on that. In well, a minute. All, all, all right. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll hold my fire on that. But I mean, you know, the reality is I don't think Tuchel likes proper number nines. I just don't think it suits the way he wants to play. He wants to play with, you know, I mean, a bit like Liverpool do with, with three fairly nimble, you know, smaller, not hairy ass players. A lot of modern teams do that. So, you know, I, in a sense, I kind of hope he goes Pulisic Mountain Habits because I think that's our best three. But I think he might have one eye on West Ham. So who knows? Well, exactly. And West Ham losing to Newcastle today was a big, big surprise and a big shock. You know, made, made the weekend that bit better with Everton and Spurs drawing Friday night. West Ham losing. It's, you know, been pretty, pretty good so far. If Leeds can do us a favour against Liverpool on Monday night, it's been a very, very good weekend for Chelsea. But Chidge was just about to talk about Tammy Abraham just there. And the question comes in from a Mark. I nearly did, I nearly did a Jonathan Kidd, uh, Nick. Yes, don't worry, Chidge. Always. Uh, and Mark goes, what do we think of the Tammy situation? Obviously, you know, before the game started, there was a big news from, you know, Matt Law that Tammy wasn't going to be on the nine-man bench today for the FA Cup, which I, I can't lie, it disappointed me when I see when I see that we have Marcus Alonso and Emerson both there. You know, it doesn't, I mean, listeners well, might... He, he sees Emerson as a number 10 now, so... That'll be Emerson making a Emerson sitting on that. Oh, Emerson on that bench just. I don't like him. I don't like him. He's one one of a few one of a few players I don't actually like or rate particularly in this team. So it it did annoy me when I see Emerson on the bench today. 
instead of Tammy Abraham, but Billy Gilmore was on the bench, so I can't complain too much. But Chich, what do we think of the Tammy situation? Is there, you know, Tuchel just doesn't rate him? Is there maybe some politics upstairs with the fact, you know, the contract or what is it? Well, I saw some rumours today about, um, you know, there might be some contractual issues there. I'm not buying that. I just don't, like. as I said, I just don't think he fancies him. I don't think he likes, you know, big, you know, proper number nines. You know, I think I think that Tuchel, you know, he, he's a modern manager, you know. I mean, he, he's a great uh, Pep Guardiola acolyte. You know, I think he wants to see goals that are basically walked into the net, like City do. That's that's what he likes. We saw a bit of that last weekend against Palace, and it's lovely when you see it. I I, I beg to differ. I like big old hairy-ass number nines. You just score goals. I don't care how ugly they are, because it's all about winning. But I think, I think, I think the issue is perhaps broader than that. Um, and I think this is very much kind of underlines who and where we are as a club again. Tammy, in Tuchel's head, is not good enough to go and win us the, Chelsea, uh, the Champions League or the Premier League title as our main striker. You'd have to be stark raving mad to disagree with him, much as I love Tammy, but I think he's right. The thing, the trouble is, is that in three or four years' time, Tammy Abraham might be good enough to lead the line at Chelsea and help us win the Champions League and the Premier League. But the trouble is, this is Chelsea Football Club, and they want us to be doing that now. And if Tammy's not ready now, and remember, he's not... I mean, you know, Erlen Haaland's, what, 2021? 20, Tammy's 24. So he's not necessarily, you know, all this kind of, well, he's a youngster from the academy, but he's, 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 he's you know, he's already 24. A lot of strikers are beginning to get into their peak by then. So I have a suspicion that Tammy will go in the summer. I have a suspicion that it's very basically that, that, that Tuchel just doesn't rate him uh, qualitatively and also systemically. And I think it's a huge, huge shame. And uh, on the supporters trust the, uh, the other week, we had a, we had a, one of our special meetings and we had Pat Nevin on uh, as the guest, Pat, uh, you know, a huge hero of mine from back in the day. And, and Pat had something really interesting to say about Tammy. Cause I, I, I rate Tammy highly. I think he will develop into a phenomenally good striker. Pat thinks the same, but what Pat said is that he needs to fill out, you know, because he's too wiry, you know, he just doesn't have that bulk that you need as a striker. And, and he, you know, Pat was saying it's a bit, you know, that people fill out at different ages, you know, some people fill out when they're 18, some at 25, some, some a bit, a bit longer. And, and Tammy, it, it's taking him a while, but when he, when he's physically at his peak and he's filled out a bit and he's a bit of a unit, then he's going to be a real handful, but he, he's not at the moment. And I, and I suspect that Chelsea just, that they're not a club that will give people time. So I have, I have a suspicion that he'll probably go because he'll want to play. Yeah. But I mean, Dion, you know, to be fair, I don't think we've got, you know, people campaigning actively for Tammy Abraham to be leading the line for just, but I think there is, you know, surprise that he can't make the bench. You know, does that disappoint you, the fact that when you see we've got Mark Salonzo and Emerson both on various wingbacks, we also have that backup centre back. So any, you know, idea of Emerson maybe being a specialist left centre back kind of goes out the window. Does it frustrate you that Tammy can't even get a place on the bench? It's a, it's a weird one because you know he scores goals, but you know his gameplay, in my opinion, is pretty dreadful. You know, I don't think there's any intelligence in his game whatsoever. Uh, I think that's probably why Tuchel doesn't rate him. I think there's also a personality clash between the two because Tammy is a bit of a joker and a, you know he's lively in the dressing room, and he he needs to work on his game. And perhaps Tuchel's thinking, you know, why is this guy joking in my dressing room? 
when he's not doing simple things that I'm asking him to do in, in training to get into the team and perhaps he's not sort of he's pushed him aside now and said, you know, that's you know, that's the, I'm not giving him any more chances to sort of become the player, the striker that I want him to be. It's interesting that Chelsea are looking at Haaland and or Lukaku to come in as a number nine. Um, we're perhaps suggesting that he doesn't want the number nine. Um, you know, it doesn't frustrate me because I don't rate Tammy Abraham, you know, as a, a top class centre forward, but I do agree that he scores goals and having him on the bench is probably better than having him at home. Fair enough. Chidge, I got the sense you were wanting to chime in there. Well, I mean, one, one thing I would, would take issue with, not, not just with Dino, but with, with Tuchel, is the bullshit he keeps saying out that he's had a chance. He's, he's, he's had on a, no chances at all. I mean, Tuchel admitted mm. the other day that he's taken him off for tactical reasons. Well, that's fine. He's the manager. That's what he gets paid to do. And then, of course, Tammy got injured, which was a real shame because it, it meant that he didn't have a chance to go and impress on the training pitch. But, you know, if you compare the chances that Timo has had all season with the chances that Tammy has had, then there's a massive disparity. So I think it's completely untrue and disingenuous to say that he's had a decent chance because he hasn't. Yeah, and I think I think I got sure I heard a clip from the London's Blue Boys with Matt Law, and Matt Law said that Tammy Abrams had 123 minutes of football yeah. since uh, Tuchel came in. Only two number nines in the league have had less: Keenan Davis, yeah. Aston Villa, who, yeah. and Eddie and Ketty of Arsenal. So I by guess. The way, by the way, Nick. Uh, Matt Law is a Villa fan, and Matt Law wants Tammy to go back to Villa. I think. <laughs> yes, yes. Matt, Matt, oh, Matt Law, that evil Chelsea journalist. How dare he tell true, true stories of maybe paint the club in a slightly negative light, or certain players in a negative light? How dare he? Yeah, he's a very, he's a very good journalist. Let's yes. not be under any illusion here. But he's also a Villa fan, and I, I have a suspicion that that that, that he may actually uh, want Tammy to go to Villa because he's been very kind of uppity, hasn't he, about about the way that the club are treating Tammy. Yeah, well, Villa fans like love him as well. Villa loved yeah, him. He, he'd love to go back as well, and the fans would definitely love him because one of my friends is a big Villa fan, and he'd take him back with a snap of the fingers, definitely. I think. But yeah, no, I, I was just going to add to what uh, Dino said about, uh, like, what Tammy's like as a as a character, and when you see his interviews and things like that, he's so laid back, um, and from like seeing him down at Chelsea he gives up gives off that vibe all the time so I don't know um maybe there's slight slight mentality issue from him there maybe that he isn't as willing to to um like push himself and learn I don't think that's probably not that's probably not the case because when when you see his numbers um I saw saw something the other week and it said that he's 23 so goals scored by un- or goal contributions by current under 23 strikers and he's top with 107 I know he might not be the best link up player but he scores goals and that's what you want um, but I agree uh, if Chelsea want to go and win the league he is not of that stature at the moment but if I was him personally I would next season go, go out on loan again and to be honest, Tuchel probably won't be there the next summer. So then he could come back. And if he's had another year at a, a decent club like Villa in the Prem or a West Ham or a Leicester, then he could come back and, and lead the line for Chelsea. Mm. Yeah. You, you, you could argue, boys, that if Tuchel, uh, sorry, if, if Tammy was smart, you know, he. he you know, he, he might last longer than Tuchel. You know, yeah. our, our average length of manager is 18 months. So maybe, you know, he can have a year. 
trying to get a few games here and there, but I just can't see him doing that. Jack, I think I think he's likely to go. The thing about strikers, which we always have to remember, is that they are the most arrogant players on the pitch with <laughs> impenetrable self-belief. You know, it's never their fault. You know, they're always fantastic. The manager's always wrong. They have to be like that. It's you know, apart from a goalkeeper, they're arguably the most exposed player on the pitch. You know, they're paid to score goals. If they don't do that, they're a failure. So they have to have this amazing arrogance and self-belief. So if he's if he's if if Tammy thinks I mean it's interesting to hear what Tuchel said today that well I didn't put him in the squad because he's suffering a bit in confidence well that's a really interesting statement to make I and mean, my response was well it's not bloody surprising when you don't pick him but if if his self confidence has, has fallen a bit that's quite telling because you don't want that as a striker I I I I'm convinced that Tammy will go in the summer because he won't want to be second fiddle there yeah well no exactly and you know. The strike links don't really seem to be going away, so you'd imagine he well might be off. Um, right, the next question comes in from Harry. He goes to what extent to today's did today's match show us that Chelsea are capable of beating Real Madrid? Obviously, Real Madrid are our opponents in the semi-finals because Liverpool got knocked out of the Champions League. Happy days, um, Chich. To what extent did today's match show that Chelsea are capable of beating Real Madrid? Oh, hugely! I, I, I think I think City are a much better side than Real Madrid. Uh, you know, Real Madrid have had a bit of a shonky season, really. I mean, what they've got on their side is they've got a few fantastic players, obviously, um, and they've got a huge amount of nous and experience when it comes to Champions League football. I mean, you know, the, the, they they did as good a shit house job on Liverpool as we did on Porto, if you see what I mean. So they know what they're doing. But City are a much better side than Real Madrid. I'm sure of that. So, you know, why not? You know, we've also got two bites at the cherry, you know, two late. And they look, and, and, and from what we've seen against Porto and Atletico Madrid, Tuchel knows how to navigate two legs of a European tie. I mean, remember this bloke got to the final last year. Tuchel knows what he's doing. So, I mean, I, it, it, you know, the reality is, no, no pun intended, it's a 50 50 tie. I mean, you'd have to say we're underdogs because of kind of where we really are in our development. And the fact that we've not been to a Champions League semi-final for seven years, but we've we've got a fifty-fifty chance of going through, and and I, I would take those odds. I would take those odds in a semi-final, like today, really. Yeah. Fair enough. I just, hope, I just hope we're in the tie going into the home leg at the Bridge, and then yeah. it's all to play for there. Yeah. But yeah, no, I think just with with Real Madrid, I think we can beat them. Definitely, we're capable of it. But they've still got that wealth of experience they've got a, they've got a backbone they've got Sergio Ramos they've got Tony Crows Modric and they've got Benzema they've got players that have done it count on countless occasions and won Varane. that trophy and Varane they've got yeah won that trophy on countless occasions so they know how to win these knockout games at the end of the day massively yeah. experienced you're right yeah. so got a certain Belgian goalkeeper in goal and they've yeah. and they've got a very you know a very, on the other hand, a very well-loved Belgian winger that used to play for us. The, the Eden Hazard narrative. What what could be? It would be nice for you know if fans were there to give Eden a bit of applause and uh, Tebow a bit of abuse. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, as the boys were saying, sort of confidence from today and you know, also the Atletico games and the Porto games that. You know, the team is showing a real maturity and, you know, in-game intelligence that we've not seen for a while. 
And you know, Madrid are a great team, but I don't think they're as great as they have been over the past five years. And I think they're on their sort of way down out of Europe now, and where they have to sort of restart and rebuild. And I think we're on the other end of that spectrum. So, um, yeah, confident that we can, if you know, get through this tie. Fair enough. Well, say we do get through. Next question comes in from Trey. On a scale of one to ten, what is your level of confidence we could beat Manchester City in a UEFA Champions League final? Just do a quick, quick answer on this. Dean, scale of one to ten, what is your confidence we could beat City in a Champions League final? Oh, ten. Ten. <laughs> Love it, Chidge. Well, absolutely. But what worries me is this: is that we're going to play them again in a couple of weeks' time. And then we might have to play them again in the Champions League final. And, you know, Pep Guardiola is a fantastic tactician and he will have learned a lot from today. Yeah, it, I and think that, it was... Also, a... Yeah, City did also make quite a few changes today. So while it was yeah. still a strong squad, it was not the strongest City mm-hmm. team it could be. So, yeah. Jack, quick quick score out of 10? Um, probably seven or eight. But, yeah, like you said, that's what I was just going to say and just say... They're missing the likes of Mares, Foden, Gundogan, Stones today. That have been massive players in their season, so it it won't it won't be an easy tie when they've got their their full full strength team out. Okay, fair enough. Next question comes in from Nishal. Nishal was on the show last week. Really enjoyed having him on. His question is: What game is more important, the FA Cup final or the Champions League semi final? Well, uh, you know, we don't have to prioritise one because the FA Cup final's at the end of the season. But, you know, mm. what it, Chidge, is there a more important game or, you know, equal importance, really? Well, uh, it's, it depends on, on, on who you are, I think. I mean, uh, for me, I mean, I love the FA Cup and the FA Cup is very, very special to Chelsea supporters. And, and, and you know, don't get me wrong, I, I get that. But I grew up, um, before you guys were born, watching Liverpool win the, cha- the European Cup every bloody year. And I never in my life dreamed that Chelsea would play in the European Cup. Because, of course, you had, in the old days, you had to win the league to do so. So for me, the Champions League is the most important. Because to win the Champions League, I mean, we're the only team in London with the European Cup. <laughs> Need I say more? Fair enough. Dean, which one is more important to you? I'd, I'd go with the FA Cup because it's the final and you know, the Champions League is all about a semi-final. You know, the FA Cup is the biggest game in English football, um, the final. You know, I love the FA Cup as a competition. And I love that we take it so seriously uh, and try and win it every year. Was it our fourth sort of semi-final final, isn't it, in, in five years? But you know, as Chich says, the Champions League is the be one end in you know, in football currently. Um, sort of, I my journey supporting Chelsea happened just before Abramovich, so you know, those aspirations of making Europe probably a bit less high pie in the sky than Chich's. But um, you know, winning it was obviously you know the best moment for all of our sort of Chelsea supporting lives, and to do it again, you know, you're not going to turn that down for an FA Cup. Sorry about that. I mean, here's the here's the thing, Dean. You know, all season, all of us. Come on, we let's be honest here. I mean, without we're not we're not like we're not, you know, being all Arsenal about it. But all year, we shit ourselves about whether we're going to get into top four or not, don't we? Why is that? Well, because top four gets you into the Champions League. So if you're going to shit yourself about making top four, 
to get into the Champions League. If you're in it, go and bloody win the thing. Otherwise, what's the point? Otherwise, if you go out in the round of 16 every year, you might as well be Arsenal. Yeah, nobody wants that. Nobody, no, nobody wants that, exactly. No. Uh, Jack, what's your preference? Yeah, no, I, I'd, I'd go Champions League, just the, the aura around the competition and winning it last time, there was no better feeling than that. So I'd definitely go Champions League. And I think from a manager's perspective, it shows today when they're playing their second fiddle goalkeepers, the FA Cup looks a brilliant competition, but that just shows the almost like dwindling, like, yeah, dwindling expectation over it and how much they prioritise it at the end of the day. Yeah, I'm going to say... Sorry, Nick. Yeah. Every time we've won the Champions League, we've also won the FA Cup as well. Uh, so, so We're going to win both anyway. It doesn't matter. Also, <laughs> I'm going to say we're going to win the Champions League so we can right the wrongs of the following season and actually win the Club World Cup that Benitez fucked up oh, for us. So, <laughs> I, was, I was so pissed off about that. I was so pissed off about that. Because how many times do you get the chance to go and win that? <laughs> exactly. That bitch. I mean, I hated him anyway, but I hated him even more because of that. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Anyway, talk, talking of that, Nick, I did an article for Football London, which went out, out this morning, which really does draw parallels to 2012. So Dean's right. We've got to win the FA Cup as well. Otherwise, my, my predictions will not come true. Yeah, we've also got a tank Can't top four. That. We've also got tank top four, which is possible, to be fair. It's possible. And that means that Spurs have to get in the top four. That 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 is looking less likely because unfortunately they are utterly shit under Mourinho at the moment, putting it politely. But yes, kind of what it's kind of what I said in the article, although a little bit more politely. <laughs> yes, well, you know, you know, you're, you're right on the article. This is this is our this is our podcast. Just talking talking a load of waffle. Um, really, quick, quick, Manan, can we really do it? Can we really win both? Chidge. We can, can't we? Yeah, absolutely. Of course we can. Of course we can. We just beat one of the best teams in Europe in a one-off match today. We can do that again if we hit them in the final. If we get PSG, which I think is possibly more likely, uh, then then uh, Pochettino will be the manager. He never beats Chelsea. And Tommy Tuchel will be playing his old club who fired him in December. I mean, it's written in the stars, isn't it? Um you know, if we're now going to face either Leicester or Southampton, you know, we should be able to beat both of those teams. Why the hell not? Let's do it. Love it. Love it. Jack? Yeah, definitely. Could be a very, has the potential to be a very special season. And like we said, we just, if we go 1 0 up, then hopefully that's curtains in every game from now. Fair enough. Fair enough, Dean. Yeah, why not? You know, we don't concede many goals. And when you don't concede, you've got a good chance of winning games. So, you know, keep it tight. Hit them on the break. Win 1-0. I don't care. Win the game. Lovely stuff. Lovely stuff. Yeah, of course. Of course we can. You know, we got past City. We're now favourites for the FA Cup final. I also don't think we're going to lose two years in a row. Obviously, we lost the final in 2017. And then we won it the following year in 2018. So maybe history is also going to repeat itself there, but we lose the final last year and we win it this year. So yeah, why the hell not? And in the Champions League, yeah, we've got a chance. We're Chelsea. Of course we can. Of course we can. Final question comes in from a good friend of ours, Kamal. He goes, how are we celebrating an FA Cup and Champions League final win? How are we, how are we doing, boys? Obviously, Chid raises his, his pint of Guinness. Um you know, how are we going to celebrate? Because it's different times, obviously. You know, well, some of us, fingers crossed, might be there for the FA Cup final. 
but Chich, how, how, how are you going to celebrate if we win both? Well, it's a, I mean, Nick, you make a, a superb point. And I have to say today was, was filled with a, an element of sadness, actually, because, you know, I've been the only semi-final that I've missed in the last 20 years. Well, actually, I missed two. One was the one up in Old Trafford when we beat Blackburn, which I think might have been 2007. And I missed 2013, uh, ironically, against City because I was flying back from Dubai at the time. I've been out filming in Dubai. But all day I've been thinking, I, I woke up this morning, I had a bit of a lie, and I thought, oh, bloody hell, I should be in this brilliant uh, restaurant in Paddington having a en full English breakfast. And then then I'd be wandering down to the Victoria pub and on my first pint, this would have been about kind of half 10, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and, and then after, after, uh, well, I mean, I, I, you know, if we, if we'd have lost, it would have been a bit different, I suspect, but usually when we win, we all go back to the Victoria in Paddington and then quite often onto a few pubs in Earl's court. I remember many, many, I mean, we have, I mean, this is the really weird thing. We have different pubs for, for, for Wembley appearances than we do, you know, for when we're playing at home. And I would often end up in Earl's court. And I remember we used to have the most amazing sing songs in the, in the, uh, the Blackbird in, in, uh, in Earl's court road. And, and it would end up in a mass celery fight. I've got some great pictures of us chucking celery around. So, you know, that's how we used to celebrate. Um, I mean, the champions league, final was mental because i had to fly back that night and i was in a bit i was absolutely spent emotionally and then i but i got back in time to go to the you know the, the parade on the sunday where, where a lot of my mates were all still out there getting absolutely battered um but uh this is going to be so different because we're not going to be there and i have to say that it's so sad i mean missing last year's final first final i've missed you know, since 97 you know awful uh, so I don't know is, is the real answer, Nick. I mean, maybe we have to save it all up, but it's, it's just not the same, is it? You want to celebrate on the day and you want to celebrate with your mates and you want to get absolutely hammered, you know? I mean, I remember when we won the title in 2005, I wasn't lucky enough to go to Bolton and I watched it in some pub in Pimlico, uh, incredibly tense. And within about five minutes of the match finishing, my phone was just going mental. We're going down Fulham Road. We've got to go to Fulham Road. You know, and I went down there and there's about 3,000 Chelsea fans just going absolutely mental uh, in, in Fulham Road uh, after that match. It's one of the best Chelsea nights I have ever had. I mean, it was absolutely... That shut Fulham down, basically. I mean, it was mental. And we can't even do that, you know, and it's, 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 a real, it's a real sadness and tragedy that we won't really properly be able to celebrate this in the way that we normally do. Oh, what a Dean. downer. I brought everybody right <laughs> just, down. Yeah, the mood has just gone <laughs> boom. Was, yeah, yeah. Dean, Dean, how would you celebrate if we win both? Yeah, a bit depressed now, thinking about it. <laughs> it was amazing. Everybody's sitting there going, ooh. <laughs> it was fantastic. Yeah, I hope we get beat in the final. When we're to celebrate. <laughs> you don't really mean that. No, probably because, you know, we can't do the usual um, celebrations probably jump on that Chelsea podcast with Nick and Jack and discuss the game straight away. You know, what a better way to celebrate a win. Yeah, of course. I'm, I'm just going to pre-book you boys now for, for both when we win for when we win the FA Cup and the Champions League. No, I've, I've made that promise to quite a few people, but it's just have a bit of a wild one on here. Um, Jack, you know, 
COVID, COVID's robbed us of three Wembley appearances already. Three yeah. Wembley appearances it's robbed mm. us of. And, you know, and again, I talk, you know, it, we're getting to that stage of the season where you get into games where you're thinking, oh, that would have been good to be at. You know, when Emerson scored late on against Atletico at oh, home, yeah. you know, winning against Porto. It's, it's brilliant. You know, we're buzzing. And as you can tell from this pod, you know, we've been happy. But then it does also sink in. It's like, ah, we just, we're just not there to witness it. You know, just mm-hmm. a tiny bit hollow. Yeah, it's always a bit of a dampener, isn't it? But at the end of the day, it's it's been a tough time for everyone. And if your team's winning, it brings your mood up. So that's the main thing. And then for those games, if we get there um, for the Champions League and if we win the FA Cup, I think some of the lockdown rules should, should have uh, become a bit more slack by then, hopefully. So hopefully we'll still be able to get somewhere with our mates and all watch it together and yeah, just enjoy, enjoy it with other people that love the same club as you and support the same team. Yeah, exactly. And said mentioned, there will be fans for the FA Cup final. So, you know, there will be some Chelsea representation in the, in the ground and that will be brilliant for Thomas Tuchel and the team to have behind them. Right. That wraps up this week of that Chelsea podcast. It has been a blast to record. We've overcome some technical difficulties early on. And it's been a pretty smooth ride from there on out. I want to thank our brilliant, brilliant guests, as always. Chidge, thank you for coming on. Before you go, give yourself one last plug where people can follow you, where they can find the brilliant Chelsea fancast. Well, I, I, you know, I'll, I'll do it properly this time rather than, you know, dicking about like I was earlier. But but actually, I have an announcement to make. Actually, I'm I'm quitting the Chelsea fan cast and I'm taking Dean with me and we're going to come on on, the, on that Chelsea podcast every week. <laughs> Love I've made the decision. No, no. I mean, actually, it'll be, be a real gas if we did. But uh, in all seriousness, yes. Um, where can you find us? Well, um, we have a website, which is ChelseaFanCast.com. Uh, the podcast goes out. We, we record it live every Monday at seven o'clock. Uh, and uh, we put it out live as well on, on a thing called Mixler.com. And it goes up as a podcast after that. And uh, we do the same on Friday. We do a preview show on Friday that also goes out live at seven o'clock and then goes out as a podcast. Uh, and it goes out on all the obvious platforms. So Acast, uh, Apple, Spotify, Podbean, you name it. It's, it's uh, you know, Google, Amazon, you name it. It's, it's, it's all over the place. We, we irritate people with our accessibility, I think. But there you go. So check it out. And of course, at Chelsea Fancast on all the social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And I'm at Stamford Chidge, if you didn't know, which I'm sure you probably do. And Dean, where can the people find you? Not only for your brilliant podcast, but also for your songs. You know, you to, <laughs> yes. to, to making some chance for the Chelsea women's team. We are, you know, hopefully recording an album very soon. There's going to be a tour as well. Um, yeah, we're bit, I'm very big in Sweden. Uh, if you didn't know, um, Swedish media are all over it. You are, aren't you? Actually, that's yeah. not a lie. That's, that's not for a lie. real. Just the truth. Yeah, we're going to do a tour of Sweden. Um, you'll never come back mate you'll never come back (laughs) you'll never be sober enough to come back for a start yeah no but if you if you want to listen to those there is also you know a lady called Janique who um, is a singer songwriter and she um, takes my awful versions and and makes them you know into something special Um, so I tend to post hers a bit more than mine Um, so (laughs) at Mo King's Meadow is the app for you know the Went's Mo King's Meadow podcast I am at Dean Mears you know if you've Got nothing better to do with your time, you know. Give me a follow. 
Yeah, they're both really, really good lads. And honestly, as said, if you want to hear about the fantastic women's team and, you know, they, they could, you know, history could be made this season. Chelsea, men's and women's team could be the first, you know, winners in the same year. So that would be something, something special. As for us, we're on Instagram, at Chelsea Pod, on Twitter, at Chelsea Pod. We're on all your usual podcast platform providers. And I said, if you've come over because you're big fans of Chidge and Dean and the Chelsea Fancast, then hey, maybe you can consider us the warm-up acts, if you will, <laughs> for the Monday night show. We, we usually release the episodes of the weekend. So, you know, you get it out before, before the Monday night show. And hey, hopefully you've really, really enjoyed the show. If you do, you can always leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts to help us grow. At the end of the day, we're all just Chelsea fans talking about the one club that we love. And when you can record episodes like today, there is really nothing better. And until the next episode, everybody, keep the blue flag flying high. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.